Welcome to the Social Media Panel, brought to you by the Likeability Company. We help people like you. Sit back, have a cup of tea, and welcome this week's special guest. Welcome to the Social Media Panel. My name is Making Sang, and my first name is May King, and uh, here with Kaz McCulloch. Say hi, Kaz. Hello. <laughs> and uh, this week's, um, this week's guest is Guy Kawasaki. Hello, Guy. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me on your show. You're welcome. Guy, you are incredibly accomplished. I've read two of your books, at least. <laughs> and um, so I've read author, publisher, entrepreneur, and also Enchantment, which is my all-time favorite book, actually. And uh, you have written What's the Plus and a number of other books. Really love to hear more about that. And also, uh, now you're, you've gone from being an Apple evangelist to being a Canva evangelist, which mm -hmm. is pretty awesome. <laughs> I love the title. Uh, how did that come about? That came about because the people at Canva saw that I was using Canva to create graphics for my social media posts. And that came about because a woman named Peg Fitzpatrick, who helps me with social media, had discovered Canva and was starting to use it. And so they, they the Canva people, noticed that I was using it and reached out to me. Um, so it was truly a case of uh, serendipity and good fortune, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, okay, so you were doing your own graphics and... How did you find the tool when you first started it? It's It was a Macintosh-like experience. Uh, when I first saw Macintosh, this is 1983, which may be before you were born. The, the <laughs> Mac, you know, Mac, I used MacWrite and MacPaint, and coming from the Apple II world where you had a special card to get more columns in your monitor, and it was monochrome and, you know, all this kind of stuff, and you made graphics by using X's and O's, and then you come upon Mac Paint, and you come upon Mac Write with multiple fonts, graphics, uh, you know, all the good stuff. It was kind of eye-opening. And I had a similar experience with Canva because it's so easy to make yourself look good with graphics. And I loved it. Yeah, fantastic. I jumped onto Canva for the first time about a year ago. And I've been a designer since desktop publishing first began. In fact, I remember having an early Macintosh. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and <laughs> I'm laughing when you said, you know, before I was born in 1983 because, um, I mean, I was actually 12 in 1983. <laughs> 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 and, uh, yeah, I, my brother had a desktop publishing company. And I uh, I just started doing that kind of work on a Macintosh when I was 16 years old. So yeah. that was a really long time ago now. So pretty much since Macintosh was the first out, really. Hey, because when did the Macintosh first come out? Uh, came out on January 24th, 1984. Oh, my. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. So pretty much. I think it was like two years later. So there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Um, I've seen some big changes in Canva in that in the last year. Um, I've given them quite a bit of feedback myself. And I've found it as a designer, like I use Photoshop and all of that, and I've found Canva to be a really incredible tool. 
Um, I'd love to hear more about what you use it for now and what people can use it for. In the past year, uh, and it's barely been out a year, uh, Canva has come a very long way. And what they're what we're doing now is we're taking the various most popular categories and creating designs to accelerate people's work. So we've created, for example, uh, for Facebook, Google Plus, and Twitter, you know, the album or cover photo. We have created Kindle ebook covers. We have created uh, Pinterest uh, posts of the ideal size, flyers for real estate brokers. Uh, we're just going down the line trying to offer these great solutions as a starting point. Uh, and all you have to do is change the text, change colors, use different photos uh, to just, you know, as opposed to booting Photoshop and seeing a big blank black empty window. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that. Now, I have to admit, um, Guy, uh, and I'm sure a lot of um, a lot of listeners can relate. Um, I love I love social media. It's helped me from uh, for my business, and you know, it's helped a lot of um, small business owners as well. But when you get a lot of these new applications that come through, um, people get a little bit, you know. Um, well, they feel that they have to learn new skills. Oh, now it's another one that has to come on, and do I have to jump on this as well, and 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 so on. And you know, most people have jumped on Facebook. Some have jumped on Twitter and Pinterest, as you say. Um, and then I have to admit, I, I was one of those who heard of Canva. Everyone was banging on about Canva, saying, "Oh, it's wonderful," and I thought, "Oh gosh, is it another one that I have to try?" Now, for anyone who's a skeptic out there, um, what are the five main benefits, top benefits of Canva, would you say, to um, those skeptics like me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, the learning curve is roughly five minutes. Uh, that's if you're slow. So five minutes. Uh, most most of the most of the service is free. I mean, you, you'd really have to kind of work to spend money on that Canva site because the only way you can pay or have to pay is if you happen to use a stock photo. Uh, other than that, you can upload your own photos, and we provide a lot of photos for free. So second would be cost. Uh, third would be the very high quality of results that because of the inherent features of the product, the ability to filter and add Instagram-like effects, as well as the fact that we've already done many designs in advance that you can use as a starting point, uh, you'll have very, very beautiful designs, which I think will just, you know, impress your friends, shall I say. So that's three. Uh, number four is that it is, I think, absolutely necessary today, if you want to succeed in social media, that roughly every post you have should have either an embedded video or a graphic. Mm -hmm. You simply cannot not use graphics and video in social media. And if you look at Twitter today, you know, many people still don't add a graphic to their tweet. And if you look mm -hmm. at a like if you look at TweetDeck and you look at a, a screen of, of TweetDeck, it's very obvious which are the posts that are most attractive. It's the ones with graphics. And the ones that are not uh, graphically illustrated, you know, you sort of just blow past them. So that's number four. 
And number five is that we're just very nice people to deal with, so you, know, <laughs> you should use our product. I'm sold. Where do I sign up the dotted line? Uh, I, I actually, um, I did actually have a quick play with it, um, and it was, it took me five minutes. I'm so glad you said that, because um, I am not the brightest kid on the block, And but it did take me five minutes, and uh, and I did. I had a lot of fun with it. It, it was great. It really is quite easy to use isn't it um and as you say you know i i love twitter uh i love love twitter and so (laughs) you're absolutely right you know there's a lot of people who um still you know they um they tweet and the ones that are more effective and more likely to be seen is if they have a a graphic or a video or a link to a Mm -hmm. blog post so um thank you for that yes where do i sign (laughs) (laughs) Did, did you did you know that twitter uh now permits you to add four pictures to a post. Well, no, I didn't. Well, that yeah, was see? fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so when you when you are making a tweet, you, let's say you're using the browser as opposed to TweetDeck or another tool. If you're if you're in Twitter using your browser, if you click on the little camera icon uh, to yeah. add a picture, you can click on that three more times, and it'll create a little four-picture mini-album, and many people don't realize that. So you wow. can kind of tell a story with Twitter today. Oh, great, great. I'll be playing Fantastic. that on. <laughs> yeah, because I, mean, I just uploaded a photo this morning. That I created on Canva in five minutes. There you go. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm I rest my case. <laughs> there you go. Fantastic. Wow. I want to kind of um, go back a little bit. We kind of came in all guns blazing to talk about Canvas. We're all pretty excited about it, which is awesome. Um, but I actually would, would like to, our listeners to get to know you a little bit because some people know you really well and they know of you really well, but a lot of people uh, are just learning and especially new entrepreneurs and people new to small business are just learning about you. So I would like to hear how you got started with social media and you know what is really driving you with, with everything that you're doing at the moment. Well, what's really driving me right now is the fact that I have four children. Two are in college and two are in private school. So uh, (laughs) at some level, that's what drives me. (laughs) I got a lot of Well, you're driving them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, that too. That too. So I am – a quick history of Guy is that I was Apple's software evangelist, so I evangelized people on Macintosh. I started a few companies after that. I became a writer and a speaker. I returned to Apple uh, for a stint as a chief evangelist. And then I left that to to start something called Garage.com, which is a venture capital and an investment bank. And I you know, did more writing and speaking. Then I spent a year advising the CEO of Motorola recently. And uh, I was living a very happy existence writing and speaking when the people at Canva reached out to me. So I have worked for Apple. Uh, I have worked for Motorola. Uh, Well, that was a consultancy, not an employee. And Mm -hmm. I've started several software companies. I've started uh, a venture capital investment bank. Um, I've written 13 books along the way. Wow. And and I fell in love with social media. You know, fundamentally, I'm an evangelist. And social media is the ultimate evangelistic tool because it is fast, free, and ubiquitous. So in the old days, you had a phone, you had a fax, 
you had email and you had getting on an airplane um and now with with Google Plus and Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest and you know all this good stuff it's much much easier to be a good evangelist Hmm. Now, I've been admiring you for quite a while, um, Guy, and just watching you <laughs> from the sidelines. <laughs> Women tell um, me that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and you never tire of hearing it, do you? <laughs> um, and um, well, I think one of the things that came into my radar was your book, What the Plus, uh, Google Plus for the rest of us. Uh, uh-huh. And whilst I had been um, using it at the time, it was a, a great little book just to get people started because I think that um, people, it's still... Um, for some people, it's still a relatively unknown entity because um, you know people are in their uh, Facebook uh, comfort uh, comfort zones and really you know fear moving out of that. So, um, can you tell us a bit more about how you use Google Plus and how it's been effective for you? Yes, I, I use Google Plus. Really, I use all social media as a platform for marketing. And I honestly am not on social media to meet people and make more friends because, frankly, with four children, one wife, two dogs, two lizards, four guinea pigs, (laughs) one chicken. Did I get everything? Um, Oh, oh, and and one rabbit. I'm not looking for any more friends at this point in my life. (laughs) So, So for me, social media is a means to an end. And that is a... You know, shall I say controversial, if not unpopular, perspective, because mm. some people have this belief that social media is about being social and kumbaya and reaching out and, you know, all kinds of warm and fuzzy stuff, and that is not to me. Um, I, I, On the other hand, I don't believe it's a free ride. I believe I have to earn the right to use social media as a marketing platform, and so mm. my strategy is to always create or curate great stuff that add value to people's lives, and in exchange, I am earning the privilege to promote stuff like Canva when I want to. Hmm. I think that's a really good point, actually, and I I hear you on the <laughs> using social media to make friends. I I used I use Facebook to connect with my friends, um, mm-hmm. but I don't use any of the other platforms to connect with my friends. Not really. I mean, I try to be social still, and I think that's important in terms of a marketing strategy, uh, but I'm not on Twitter to make friends. I'm on Twitter to make connections with other business people and, and people that I can collaborate with. Um, I'm on Google Plus for the same reason. And so I, I totally hear you on that. And it is a bit controversial, isn't it? Because, you know, we don't want to... If there's a fine balance in there between being social and connecting from a business perspective and kind of just, you know, having a life out there yeah. <laughs> uh, for everyone to see. And, yeah, and that's certainly, you know, there's lots of things that we can't share on social media about our lives anyway that we wouldn't want to share. You know, I think people, <laughs> sometimes they share, they share way too much. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, we actually talked to Peg a, few, a couple of months ago, actually, Peg Fitzpatrick, and she gave us a little bit of the backstory about how you guys connected and and um, how she runs communities and the books that you're working on and all that sort of stuff. So that was really cool. And, yeah, she was saying, uh, what was she saying? Making, because you're on the issue, weren't you? <laughs> no, Phil was. Sorry, now I'm losing my mind. Um, <laughs> she was saying that, 
she like mainly focuses now on um, Google Plus as opposed to the other platforms. But then we interviewed Chris Brogan as well, and he said that he he really loved Google Plus, but he feels like he's the horse that he backed is drowning. How do you feel about that, guy? Dr- drowning in what? Well, he thinks that it's not working in the way that it was intended. Do you believe that, or do you think that it's still on a roll? Well, this is something that, I, honestly, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not working for him. Uh, it's working for me. And, you know, compared to what, um, I, I have six and a half million followers on Google+, and I have, you know, 1.4 million followers on Twitter. And I, I think that I get, you know, much better comments, more interesting comments, more interesting, you know, shares and all this kind of stuff on Google Plus than Twitter. Uh, it's also probably true for Google Plus versus Facebook. Now, this is one person's experience. And, you know, I, I always hear the theory that um, Google Plus has only, quote, I don't know, I don't pick a number. 300 million users, whereas Facebook Only. has, yeah, <laughs> yeah. has you know, 1.2 billion users, so Facebook is four or five times larger. But my reaction to that is, well, Facebook has this thing called edge rank. So even though, let's just use round numbers. So let's say that uh, Facebook has a billion and Google Plus has 250 million, so it's four times bigger. But according to what everybody tells me, edge rank means that only 10 or 15% of your Facebook followers can see your post based on Facebook deciding who should see your post. So if only 10% of your followers can see your posts, even though they volunteered to see all your posts, well, if you have a billion people but only 10% can see them, you know, it's really like having 100 million people, not a billion yeah. And so now I'm comparing 100 million versus 250 million, and it seems to me that Google Plus is two and a half times larger. Yes. So, you know, <laughs> wow. I don't, I, uh, well, and, and you know what, uh, another way of looking at this as quite pragmatically is that whether, no matter how edge rank affects you, no matter how organic affects you, no matter how many followers you have, on various services, because there's there's lots of factors going on there, right? Because even though you may have many more followers on one service than another, and that service has edge rank or you know whatever, right? There's so many variables for everybody. But the interesting thing is using something like Buffer or Sprout Social or Hootsuite, you can write a post one time and deploy mm-hmm. it to Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, and LinkedIn. So my logic there is, let's say the doubters are right. Let's say that Google Plus is not as good as, or you know, I don't, I don't know what the word is, not good, but is not as populated as Facebook. So you know, the the, the line of reasoning there is well, you know, Google Plus is not as as populated as Facebook. Therefore, I won't participate in Google Plus. I'll focus on Facebook. But to me, that's really a dumb perspective because using these tools like Hootsuite, Buffer, or Sprout Social, you write it once, you click a button, 
and it posts to four different services for you. So other than the two minutes it took to set it up to include all four services, you know, what have you lost by posting it in four places instead of one? Nothing. Now, if you told me that you had to hand craft each post for each service, so if you're posting to four services, it means 4x the work, Okay, maybe I would tell you to focus on the ones that you know you think are important to you. But in a world where you can use these tools to post simultaneously to four different places, why not? Hmm. Yeah, I I think that makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways. I guess the counter argument to that is that different social platforms have different uh, ways of interacting. You, I mean, I interact differently on Twitter than I do on Facebook, for instance, yeah. and on Google+. Plus. Like Google+, Plus, I tend to go into more detail. I tend to have more mm-hmm. conversations. I tend to be more industry peers um, that I connect with on there than, than actually customers, which is interesting. Um, but, yeah, so the counter-argument, I guess, some people would say, and I know that, like, for instance, Mark Schaefer is also, I think he said this too, that, you know, if you want to you want to be more successful on social media, you need to be more human. But the problem is, I guess, and you've just identified it, is that if you're handcrafting every single post that you write, uh, you don't have time to do anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I would also make the case that what I was discussing was posting as opposed to commenting and responding to comments. Yes. Right? So posting can be useful using these you can be done using these tools to shall i say spray and pray yeah commenting okay. and, and responding <laughs> is different um, yeah so commenting and responding is re- really where the real work happens but even something like sprout social which will bring all the comments from four services into one place um, you know, you have one inbox. Uh, Hootsuite also does that. You know, I mean, yes, it's more work, but uh, again, you know, I mean, this is like saying that, uh, well, he just dropped out of a golf tournament, so it might not be the best example, but this is like <laughs> saying to, to Tiger Woods, man, you practice golf a lot. You have to, like, practice putting and, you know, practice your drives and all that. You really put in a lot of time, Tiger. You know, it's golf. Who has the time to put all that time into golf? Well, the response is Tiger Woods is a professional golfer, and I'm a professional marketing person. So, you know, I'm supposed to make a lot of effort. This is what I do. It's not something I do to – I'm not in social media to show people that I bought a new Porsche or that I got drunk and naked. That's not why I'm there. This is a business thing. So, you know, Tiger Wood has to practice putting, and I have to post it's, and comment. That's just the way it is. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting to me that making and I, we talk a lot to people in our groups. We, we run quite a large Facebook group, got nearly 5,000 people in it. And we talk a lot about not just posting and running. And a lot of people still don't quite understand that if they do that, it's not very effective. They're not really making themselves. 
an industry expert by approaching social media in that way. What Have you got some tips on how people can engage better once they've sent the post off? Like, have you, I mean, other than just, you know, responding, have you got some tips on how they can keep the conversation going? Um, well, first, you know, I must admit that you're talking to a person who <laughs> posts, if you count everything, no matter what method, per day, probably 25 to 50 posts a day. Wow. And, yeah. So <laughs> you win the prize. To like, yeah, you're talking to someone who's like five or six standard deviations beyond the mean. <laughs> and and I will tell you that, you know, contrary to what you said, I think that 80% of the value is in the quality of your curation. And so if you find uh, – I'll give you an example. So right now I have a window on YouTube open. And just by accident, I found this great two-minute video on how to – you're going to find this little stupid – how to make a hard-boiled <laughs> egg with a Valentine heart shape. Okay? Oh, how okay. beautiful. I don't think that's stupid at all. <laughs> okay. So here, so I'll give you the gist of it. So you boil your egg. You peel the egg. You take a piece of cardboard that's folded into a V. You put the egg into that V area. Then you put a chopstick on top of it, like at the 12 o'clock position. And the chopstick pushes down the the top of the egg. And you put rubber bands on both sides of the chopstick. So imagine an egg sitting in this V cardboard with a chopstick on top of its head, held down by chopsticks. <laughs> I mean by rubber band. Okay, that's that the chopstick. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So now, um, obviously the timing is not quite right, but if you did that around Valentine's Day, okay, I guarantee you that would be reshared a lot. It's a very <laughs> cute idea. You don't have to respond to people who tell you it's a cute idea. You don't have to get into philosophical discussion about whether it's okay to kill a chick in order to make a little hard-boiled egg. You don't have to respond to the people who are, you know, from from PETA who are against eating chickens. You should only eat broccoli. Um, you just post the damn thing. And so, yeah. you know, these 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 social media experts who say you have to and this is real heresy now, okay? These social media experts who say you have to engage and you have to do this and you have to be human and you have to be open and you have to be transparent. You know, they have all this dogma going on. Well, if you look at them and then you see that they have 2,000 followers, you know, you might ask yourself a question, well, if these people are such experts and they know exactly how to engage and be transparent and, you know, all this kind of stuff... Why is it that they have so few followers? My rule of thumb is never trust an expert who has fewer followers than you. <laughs> well, so to, I guess I'm going to defend uh, some of the heretics um, guy. <laughs> because I only have, um, I don't know, just short of 5,000 followers on Twitter. But um, I think that, I, I think that um, with your privileged position and what you're um, using social media for, I guess, is in a slightly different realm to, um, to other people who are using social media. 
you know, so yeah. for myself and a lot Fair of business enough. owners, um, you know, they're, they're using it, you know, as a, as a marketing tool. And I, I like the, I like the phrase that you, you used, um, spray and pray, um, because a lot of people do do that. They broadcast in the vain hope that someone will buy from them. Um, and they broadcast to all of these networks, you know, using the same post and just Post it across all networks in the vain hope that someone will click on their, you know, on their uh, stuff and, and buy the product. And I think that, um, again, um, I'm going to disagree with um, the, the two of you. If we were all the same, we'd be we'd be boring, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, that's right. Um, no, so with, the, with social media, but, um, you know, for some <laughs> business owners, they, you know, it is about being social because. We don't want to hide. We, we can no longer afford to hide behind our logos. Consumers want to know the person behind the business. And so we have to be social and let people uh, into our lives a little bit in order to understand who we are as a person. Because if they like us as a person, then they're more likely to buy from us. So, um, But, yeah, well. I, I think that maybe we were just... Um, using social media in a slightly different way than your good self. Uh, uh, I, you know, I don't know if we are using social media very differently because the end for both of us is the same, which is using it as a marketing platform, right? Mm. And now, when I say spray and pray, don't take that as a recommendation that you spray crap. Yeah. If, yeah. If, yeah. If, you, if you look yeah. at my social media, I I would make the case that I post the most interesting stuff of anyone in the world, and and I also do it in a very large quantity, and you know like okay so arguably somebody might say well how to make a heart shaped hard boiled egg is crap, but I don't think it's crap. Um, I so. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying spray and pray crap. I'm saying spray and pray stuff that people will say it either informed me, it provided me analysis, it provided me information, or it provided me entertainment. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying promote yourself okay. constantly. Not at yeah. all. I think one out of twenty times should be self-referential. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I think that. Uh, when I talked about broadcasting, that's what I meant. Um, we get a lot of people in our group who jump on in and then they, they immediately promote their business without yeah. providing that value. And actually, Guy, that's probably one of the biggest transformations in my own um, journey as a marketer on social media was listening to you talk at one of the social media summits about curation. And that really transformed things for me because I then started curating more content and that transformed my business hands down so I totally am with you on that one and I, I think that's what you were talking about too making so I don't think we actually disagree at all I think we're all on the same page <laughs> just making wouldn't let you get a word in edgewise <laughs> sorry about that sorry making um I really enjoyed talking with you this morning but Phil's not here to do the chainsaw test making should we do the chainsaw test on <laughs> we could guys do. yeah let's do it so the, what? the uh the chainsaw test. Everyone has to do the chainsaw test if you're on our podcast show. Okay. Uh if you've written a book. So this is the rule. Okay, so uh if you can put with the chainsaw at the end of your book title and it sounds good, we know that that book's gonna be a bestseller. Now this is unfair because 
your books are all bestsellers. <laughs> we know this. <laughs> um, but I still like to hear it from you with one of your book titles. So whatever your book title is, just pick one of the 13 and put with a chainsaw at the end. Off you go. <laughs> okay, so the book that is my newest book, which is written with Peg Fitzpatrick, is called The Art and Science of Social Media. So The Art and Science of Social Media with a chainsaw? Yes. <laughs> you great. nailed it. It's great. It's going to be a bestseller. <laughs> yep, obviously. Uh, obviously. Is that book out already? No, no, it's not. It's going to be out in December. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, that's probably when my book's going to be out, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it just gets later and later. <laughs> uh, and I've got to say that also publisher, entrepreneur, uh, I'm so glad you asked me to review that. I've, I've had great engagement on my own website with that post. And even my mother was asking me, do you know a good book about self-publishing? <laughs> and yeah. I said, well, have a read of this one. Yeah, and I've used it as a Bible. Yeah, and I love the group Fabulous. you have on, on um, Google+, Plus. the community yeah. on there has been fantastic and really do, do, do uh, you know that canva yeah. has these i think that's how i got back in touch with you that canva has kindle ebook yeah. covers now right so. yeah 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 why don't you tell us a little bit more about how that works so that's just yes. for the ebooks right not for the printed yes. book no okay because the, the printed book requires a spine and a back cover yeah right if you think about it but an ebook only requires a front cover and so we've created a series of how many? It's like more than 50 designs for Kindle covers where you can just change the picture with your own picture. You can change the text. Obviously, we probably didn't anticipate the title of your book, but we also didn't know who you were, so we didn't put you know who the author is. But we've created these great designs that you, you do a little bit of tweaking, and in roughly five minutes, you can have a beautiful cover. And so we did that because... I, as the author of author, publisher, entrepreneur, know that it's a very difficult task for many people to create a cover. And a good graphics designer, which God bless mm. them, they're worth every penny if you have the money, will probably charge you a thousand dollars to make a cover. And as I say, it's worth every penny. Uh, but there's also these things where you know you go to a website and you write up a spec and then people uh, bid on the spec and then they create some designs and then you know you yeah. you pick one of them and you know all of that. Well, I tell you what, you know that can work too. Obviously, a graphic designer can work also. But as a first shot, let's just see if you can get lucky and go to Canva, look for the Kindle ebook cover designs. And take a shot there. And if you, you know, if you can't pull it off there, then hallelujah. Spend a thousand bucks. You know, go to Ninety Nine Designs and write up a project. Hallelujah. Go for it. Mm. But uh, if if you can't, uh, or if you can't afford it, or don't want to do it that way, then take a look at Canva. Okay. So I have a, a question about that um, because obviously I'm in the process of doing this myself anyway. Um, I already have a cover for my book, uh, and I okay. want that cover to be the same on Kindle as well as in hardcover. So okay. what would you say to people who want to do both? Can they do that with the Canva design? Ah, that's a little trickier because the the spine, you know, you need to know how thick the book is. 
number one, uh, because how thick is the spine? And then the back cover has to be integrated with the front cover in terms of carrying over the look and the feel. Now, one of the things that Canva can do is you can put in custom dimensions. So it's not mm. just the designs we've created in advance. So if you know that the custom dimension is of the spine based on thickness, you can make something that's, I don't know, 20 pixels by 600 pixels or something like that for the spine. And then the back will be mm. the same dimensions as the front. And you could probably just duplicate the front and use similar images and do it. So it can be done. But um, right now, as it as it stands, the designs are based on the Kindle model of only the front cover. Um, and okay. incidentally, while we're on this subject, uh, I yeah. want to put in a plug for CreateSpace. So if you do decide to go to printed version, Amazon owns a company called CreateSpace that will do print-on-demand, and they have been fabulous for us. Yeah. Did you um, have them manage your, the layout and design of your project as well? No, no, no. We, uh, my co-author Sean Welch did the the layout and design. So he, mm-hmm. yeah, we we gave them truly camera ready art. Fantastic. Yeah, because I've been I've been trying to figure out what to do there, and um, I I can do the layout and design myself. But I did do an ebook. Uh, I think a year ago, and when I sent it to, I followed your instructions for creating a Moby document, and um, mm-hmm. when I sent it, it didn't render quite correctly, and I was wondering what to do about, you know, the table of contents uh, and all that kind of stuff. But that's all all technical stuff. We don't have to talk about that now. But I just, <laughs> you know, there's lots and lots of little things, and I thought I'd rather almost just hand it over to Create Space and say, here you go, <laughs> you just <laughs> you just do it all for me. Yeah, <laughs> I'll pay you the yeah. money. <laughs> Yeah, uh, sometimes it's just less headache at, at the end of the day, even for a designer. And I've been doing layout and design, as I said, before for, what, 25 years. So, yeah, sometimes the, the easier road is the better road. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, before we, we sort of roll it up, um, what exciting things have we to expect from uh, Guy Kawasaki over the next few years? You mentioned you've got an up-and-coming book. Is there anything else um, that's uh, going to be happening for you that's exciting? I have. I have this up-and-coming book, The Art and Science of Social Media with a Chainsaw. Uh, I am am revising a 10-year-old book called The Art of the Start. So I guess it will now be called The Art of the Start with a Chainsaw. And the bulk of my work and attention is for Canva. And I also write or, you know, make presentations about 75 times a year. Wow, 75 times a year. Yeah. Are you still traveling much? Uh, I travel, other than a few weeks in the summer, continuously. Wow. Yeah. So that is truly life on the go. Thank yeah. you so much for your time today. All right, today. thank you. Thank you. Good, good. What really is it there? Good morning it. to you. Yeah. Yep. Take care. Good evening to you. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Thank okay, you. bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Social Media Panel. Subscribe at thelikeabilityco.com for the latest social media panel episodes. Join the conversation about today's episode on Facebook and Twitter at LikeAbilityCo. The Social Media Panel is a production of The Likeability Company. We help people like you.